0: If I give a homily back there, I'll lose my voice. And you're like, Father, the answer to a prayer. No. Um, so there are a couple of ways of, of reading the, uh, the gospel today. And I think one way, which is a very uh, important way, is from the point of view of uh, uh, ecclesiology, or the, the study of the church and what it means. And so this is uh, the passage from uh, Matthew 16 that we just heard is the passage in, in church history and the passage that the First Vatican Council will point to in saying, you know, this is the, the scriptural foundation for the idea of the papacy. You know, Jesus Jesus gives all the apostles together the power of uh, binding and loosing from sin. But in this passage from Matthew, there's he addresses Peter exclusively. And he gives to him the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So, Peter is one of the Apostles, but he also has a unique place amongst the Apostles. And what exactly that place is, is actually brought out in the first reading that, that we heard today from Isaiah, which might seem like a very odd reading, you know, uh, out of context. But what's going on um, is that Isaiah is making a reference to this individual who's part of um, uh, the uh, Davidic uh, Kingdom. So. Um, In the administration set up by uh, King David a thousand years before Jesus, you have the king at the top and then under the king you have sort of the prime minister or as he's called in the reading the master of the palace and he's a minister and all the other ministers would report to the master of the palace and the master of the palace reports to the king. So he's like the the prime minister uh, if you think of the British model and as a sign of his authority he wears a key. And so, we hear in the first reading that because this servant has been unfaithful, that God is going to take the key from him and give it to another. So, it's the key to the kingdom of, of David. You know, when you're prime minister, you have access to the king, you have access to the kingdom. But what Jesus does in, in the Gospel of Matthew, is he gives Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven, to Jesus' own, own kingdom. And so, Peter is a minister with other ministers, but he also has this special relationship with Jesus Christ. And we see that throughout the Gospels. And so, in the history of the Church then, there was this idea that Peter's successors, the bishops of Rome, because Peter's the bishop of Rome, uh, that his successors also carry on this special office. So, that's one way, that's a historical way, it's the ecclesiological way of of reading the gospel, and it's very important. But I think there's another way that goes to, um, I think, the the life of faith of all of us. And I think it has to do with the power of words. You know, what gives the words of others power? You know, what makes them important? And I think there are a couple of things. I think the first aspect is it tells us what the other person thinks. I mean, assuming they're, they're telling the truth. If you think they're lying, you know, the words aren't going to have that kind of impact. But if you think someone is telling you what they really think, well, you now have a view, because of their words, of what's going on inside. As Jesus says, from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it reveals other people to us, and so words are important in that way. And that can have an impact on us depending on our relationship with the speaker but in in a second way words become important to us not only because they reveal the speaker but because we believe perhaps they they reveal something about us so you think about words kind or mean that that have been spoken you know if uh, Someone says to you, "Oh gosh, you're really bright," or "You're an idiot." You know, uh, different words. What impact will they, will they have? I mean, it shows you what the other person thinks. But if someone's telling you you're an idiot and you think they're an idiot, well, it's not going to mean anything. But if you think they really, if there's someone you respect, that well, that can really hurt then. And so it depends. You know, what what way are we going to? Um, sorry. What we believe in the words of another determines the impact that they have on us. So, I'll give you two examples, good words and bad words. So, one of my Dominican brothers tells a story. When he was a little kid, uh, he had he had uh, nuns t- teaching him, sisters teaching him in his grade school. And he got in trouble one day for something and, you know, sister was going to call home. But sister had this policy. She, she never um, said something bad about a kid to parents without also giving a compliment. So, she, she's, she calls up little Michael's mother and, you know, complains about his behavior or whatever. But she also says, but you know, he, he's been working very hard in class and he, and he just has excellent handwriting. And so his mother told him this and he thought, wow, sister thinks I have really good handwriting, you know, I, I better, I better keep this up, you know. And so he put a lot of uh, effort into his handwriting. And even today, he was giving us a retreat and he's writing things on this whiteboard and it's beautiful, beautiful writing. Um, the the funny thing was uh, sister confused him with another kid <laughs> so he actually didn't have very good handwriting but he believed, that sister believed that he had good handwriting and it changed his life you know, and so he, he invested himself in this skill on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, when I was teaching um, high school in one of my classes one year, there were a couple of atheists who were friends with each other. So I said, hey guys, why don't we, why don't we get together? We'll have a lunchtime discussion group. So we, we met every Tuesday for a while. and we, It was me and the atheists, and we had a nice little discussion group going. And uh, one day, they, two of them showed up, and, and one of them uh, did not look good. He looked very um, out of sorts, as the British would say. I said, dude, what, what's going on? And he says, uh, I, I don't know if I want to talk about it. And his friend's like, oh, come on, just tell him. So he said, well, Father, you know, I, I, got in a, I got in a really bad fight with my father last night. You know, we, we, were, we were shouting at each other for half an hour. You know, it was terrible. And he said, you know, at the end of it, he said, my father, my father said to me, you are nothing. You are nothing. And he said, I was... I was so stunned by this. He said, I, I, just, I just walked out of the house. He said, and, and this was the middle of winter, and he said, I walked out of my house and I was wandering around in my front yard in the snow in shorts and a t-shirt and that was it. I had nothing else. And that was, that was the power that, that that word had. Why? Not only because of who was speaking it, but I suspect also that part of him thought it might have been true. So that word had a deep impact. And what does this mean then for our life of of faith? I think it shows the importance of belief. The importance of belief in becoming good, a good person. Because when we believe, what does that mean? It means not only do we acknowledge that God is speaking but that we believe his words are true. You know, as Thomas Aquinas said, um, you know, about Jesus talking about the Eucharist, you know, truth himself speaks truly or there's nothing true. And so for Thomas, it was he believed that when Jesus took bread and he said, This is my body, it was his body. Because Jesus is truth and truth speaks truly, or there's nothing true. And so the the faith is important because faith is the thing that opens us to being transformed by God's word. And I think that's another really important aspect of of the gospel. You know, when Jesus, uh, Jesus says to Peter, You are Peter, and upon this rock I build my church. And it takes faith to believe that. Not only that Jesus is the Son of the living God, but it takes faith to believe that Peter's the rock, you know. Why? Because Peter does not exhibit a lot of rock-like behavior in the gospel. You know, Jesus is walking on water. Peter says, oh, Lord, call me out. And he says, come on, Peter. Peter goes walking, and then he loses his faith, and he starts drowning. Help me, Lord, and he brings him up. You know, and then, you know, he's, uh, you know, before Jesus is crucified, he's like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to be there right with you till the end. I don't care what these other guys, these schmucks are doing. They abandon you. I'm going to be right there with you. Garden of Gethsemane, see you, Jesus. I'm out. And then he changes his mind again, and he goes to the trial. He goes back to Jesus and tries to see what's going on. Someone says, aren't you one of his followers? Jesus who? So he changes again. So Peter is always going back and forth. And yet Jesus says, you are Peter and upon this rock, I build my church. And he does. And he's the one who sustains Peter. He's the one who gives him the courage to lead the Apostles in preaching the Resurrection. And so Peter needed faith in order to be and to do what God wished him to be and to do. So what's God trying to say to you? I don't know. So I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes. If you can see me, you're doing it wrong. And I want you to pray in your heart silently Jesus, what do you want to say to me today?